You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Aisha Roscoe, in for Sam Sanders. My guest today, actress Sonequa Martin-Green. I was 11 when it came out. It was a really big deal in my home because yeah. we were huge Michael Jordan fans. Okay. And, you know, that was like primetime Chicago yes. Bulls, yes. right? 96? <laughs> yes. Come on. Yeah. Um, the dream team and yeah. everything. And now, the player coach of the Toon Squad. The movie Sonequa is talking about? Space Jam. His royal heiress, Michael Space Jam brought together two of the biggest, most legendary, most out-of-this-world names at the time, Michael Jordan and Looney Tunes. You know, I loved Looney Tunes a lot. I love Michael Jordan, but I really yes. love Looney Tunes. Like, do you have a favorite Looney Tunes? Like, character? Oh, yeah. Even back then, my favorite was Tweety Bird. I told I told. I did. I did team Michael Jordan. I love Daffy because he always got really, really angry and he thinks yes. so highly of himself. Stop the music. Top shot. Hey. It's getting so a guy can't even get himself wet around here. So. I love bugs too, but like I love the underdog of like, and then just yes. being very angry about it. <laughs> like, That's right. That makes sense. It's very, yes. <laughs> I want to hang with Daffy yes. just to see if I can get him riled up. Exactly. Now, 25 years later, Sonequa stars in Space Jam, A New Legacy. In it, she plays Kamaya, wife of one of the biggest basketball stars of today, LeBron James. Hey, you're that famous basketball guy. Come on, aren't you LeBron James? Pugs Bunny knows who I am. Sonequa is no stranger to legacy franchises. She also stars in Star Trek Discovery as Michael Burnham, a Starfleet officer, which makes her the first black woman to lead a live-action Star Trek series ever. And there's been a lot of Star Trek. In this chat, we also talk about hair and identity and why Sonequa felt called to speak up around the time of last summer's protests following the murder of George Floyd. But first... We talk about Space Jam and Sonequa's co-star, LeBron. You talked about in another interview you did about how surreal it was to work with LeBron James because you remembered reading about him in Jet Magazine, um, in in the Jet, um, about when he was about to graduate high school and go to the NBA, and you were about to leave high school and Mm -hmm. go to pursue acting. So how crazy was it for you (laughs) to now link up with him at this point in your career to do a project? That's, uh, you know, I, um, yeah, surreal is the word, right? Overwhelming is the word. Breathtaking is the word because I, I thought that that was such a, it was such a random moment Mm -hmm. that I had on my living room couch of, of the house that I grew up in reading this story about this high school student and everything and seeing the similarity there, drawing that parallel between you know, he and I, um, between acting and basketball. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, however many years later, 
here we are sort of melding acting and basketball <laughs> um, in, <laughs> in real life. Not to mention the fact that, you know, he became LeBron James yes, and he yeah. became the champion that yeah. he is. And it was really, it was really surreal. So much so that I actually didn't even share that story with him. Oh, really? Because since that story happened and since we started to see him rise um, mm. uh, and see him just become more and more successful, I started referring to him as like cousin, cousin LeBron, you know, because of that moment <laughs> on my living room couch. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so there were, so there were several days on set where I said, today's the day I'm going to tell Ron about this. Yeah. I'm going to be like, look, yeah. this is, you know, but I, but I never <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 and then I thought maybe I'll wait till after the movie premieres yeah. and then I'll tell him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, he became LeBron James, but you became Sonequa Martin Green. So you, you, yes. you have both done very well for yourself I, I have to say yeah. when you thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> when you were sitting on that couch like and reading mm-hmm. the jet I'm imagining like a wooden table I'm seeing different jets I'm seeing maybe yep. an ebony maybe an essence I'm seeing it on You're the exactly table right. <laughs> but, but when you were reading that jet and thinking about going off to acting did you envision mm-hmm. this for yourself like did you see yourself where you're at now when you were going off oh. then you know what? I um I bet if I saw where I am now, I I would have been too scared to to move forward, yeah. right? Yeah. I think that's that's one of the things that that God um you know gives us in yeah. in his grace in my opinion is uh just the step ahead of you, just the step ahead of that, just the step ahead of that because I think God knows if we were to see the whole picture, we would be overwhelmed, overwhelmed. and yeah. we would be stagnated by that, right? Yeah. So he sort of doles it out, you know, in little crumbs that yes. we can take. Coming up, I have one burning question for Sonequa. It's about Star Trek Discovery and her hair. There is no denying that there is a lot going on in the economy right now. So far in 2021, about 3,600 retail stores have closed. You know, China has banned Bitcoin many times before, but this time it's looking pretty serious. Understanding this stuff, it is kind of our thing here at The Indicator. It's how we like to spend our free time. Every day we explain something that is going on in the economy. Listen and follow The Indicator from Planet Money on NPR. So you pursued acting. You It worked out because you worked on a little show mm-hmm. called The Walking Dead. Uh, and now, <laughs> in addition to Space Jam, you are also currently star in Star Trek Discovery as the mm-hmm. Michael Burnham. As Starfleet mm-hmm. officer, you are the first black woman to lead a live-action Star Trek series. So full mm-hmm. disclosure, my husband is a big Trekkie. Like, he is like... Serious, like serious Trekkie. Uh, you know, he knows all about the quadrants and the tech. And if and, and if y'all try to do a shortcut where y'all go between a quadrant too fast, he'll say, I don't think they could have traveled that fast. That is not in the same quadrant. Ooh. That one, yes. He watching y'all. He know. He knows what's up. <laughs> he knows. I love hearing stuff. that. He gives me all the information. It's a lot to to take in, but he know he's seen all oh, the series. He know it. Yes. So that he, makes me happy. You gotta like, send him my love. I will. <laughs> he is a big Trekkie. But what was it like for you to step into that very fully formed universe? Well, you know, when I was rapping on Walking Dead, um, I I hoped that there was something 
bright and amazing and fulfilling around the corner. I know a lot of people felt that I must have left Walking Dead in order to go to Star Trek Discovery because that's sort of the way it seemed mm-hmm. as as timing wise. But that was not the case at all. I was already leaving Walking Dead. It was just Sasha's time. Mm-hmm. And I was filming those last few episodes as Sasha when the opportunity for Star Trek Discovery came. Oh, wow. And so it was literally a door closing and another one opening almost simultaneously. Um, but I just was... I. I was so blown away by being able to be a part of it. I wasn't a Trekkie or a Trekker growing up. My my parents definitely watched it, but I would just sort of run back and forth in front of the TV. Oh, Star Trek is on. Oh, Star Trek is on. Uh, So I had to dive into the deep end. Mm -hmm. And I was, of course, more than happy to do that. But I was so appreciative of being the first Black woman Mm -hmm. um, to helm the franchise. And then also knowing that it was a journey to the captaincy you know, was a, was a big deal being able to see someone, you know, slip and trip and fall forward and actually earn their position there. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was really dramatic mm-hmm. and um, compelling for viewers to see. Um, but I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I said, oh my gosh, I, you know, there's there, obviously there's the, there's the history, there's the black history here. And then I'm also Spock's sister, which was a big deal. Yes. And <laughs> I was blown. I was blown away. Yeah. You, you've kind of talked about it, but just briefly for the uninitiated, the people who may not be up on Star Trek Discovery yet, can you give like mm-hmm. a brief synopsis of your role in the series? You've talked about it, but just a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Well, I play Michael Burnham, um, a human woman who was raised on Vulcan. It was always my intention to join the Vulcan Expeditionary Group. Sometimes the universe allows for the making of unexpected memories. Emotional platitudes are not what I was hoping for. (laughs) Well, you've really been away from humans for a long time. When we start out at the beginning of the series, I am the first officer of uh, the USS Shenzhou under Captain Giorgio. It would be logical for you to take into account my success rate during our seven years together and execute my plan without further challenge before we're dragged into war. Starfleet doesn't fire first. That's all, number one. We have to. And then in season two, we have the entrance of Captain Pike and Spock, Mm. arguably the most beloved character in Trek lore. I am not here to absolve you, Michael Burnham. This is not about your feelings. Because I'm a fool for taking that personally. Agreed. I risked everything to bring you here. It does not surprise me that you see it that way. We also have this big mystery that we're having to solve. And what we find is... We're going to have to jump to the future because Mm -hmm. there's a great threat called control that we end up having to best. Identify space-time location. You have reached year 3,188. Computer. Life readings. Is there life here? Anywhere? Multiple life signs detected. Everyone's discovering um, who they really are um, and who we are to each other and who we are in this new future. And then by the end of season three, you see um, you see Michael Burnham become the captain. Let's fly. And so I wanted 
to talk about Burnham. Um, she was raised with Vulcans, um, but mm-hmm. she was she's becoming more human, dealing with those mm-hmm. messy human emotions. And one way uh-huh. it seems like you guys have kind of shown that on screen is like through her hair. Like in the first episode yeah. of the first season, um, she had short straight hair. Then there was a short mm-hmm. um, natural style and then braids. Mm-hmm. So before I go yeah. any further, I do want to know, who on the Discovery or around is, is braiding Burnham's hair? Does she have a homegirl? Does she braid it herself? Have there mm-hmm. been advances in hair braiding technology? <laughs> yes, yes. I thank you for asking this yes. question. You've been asked that Because before? it's something... Yeah, well, no, no. no okay. I've actually never been okay, asked I'm... that before. But it's definitely something that I have to think about. Okay. You know, I have to... It's a question that I have to ask myself as Michael yeah. Burnham, and I have yeah. to I have to um, make that real for me yeah. because how is this happening? Yeah, you how know? is she gonna hear Because there was a it looked good. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Because there was a moment. Um, there was a moment where I I, I asked myself about the authenticity of this yeah. and. The the great thing is that what you see um, in the beginning of season three is that I I am on my own for an entire year oh, in the wow. new future, mm-hmm. disconnected from my crew mm-hmm. um, because they land uh, a year after I do. So mm-hmm. I I wait for them, I look for them, I mm-hmm. tirelessly, mm-hmm. and they never come. So there's a point in that year where I'm alone. Mm-hmm. What I what I realize is. Uh, Oh, I, I'm. I'll never see my crew again. Mm-hmm. So now I get to really decide who I mm-hmm. who I am, mm-hmm. and and who I actually want to be. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have the umbrella of an institution mm-hmm. above me. I don't have to live by an institution's standards. That institution being the United Federation of yes. Planets yeah. and Starfleet. Uh-huh. And so I start to get really comfortable with that mm-hmm. um, as Michael, and I start to really uh, I, I I fall in love with it yeah. and. Being a courier, which is the um, the job that I take where we are, you know, basically just traveling goods to people. But it's a little bit, it can be kind of shady. It's mm-hmm. a, it, it feels kind of black yeah. market, yeah. kind of. <laughs> what happened is I, I came across in this story, this is background right here. Oh, backstory wow. for you. Okay, okay. I came to I came to a home and mm-hmm. they they let me in mm-hmm. um on on one of the planets that I was visiting mm-hmm. and it was a very tribal community uh-huh. and they braided my hair for oh, me. Wow. And okay. Yes, and I ended up loving it. Uh-huh. So I kept it up and oh. it, it it worked with this new me. Uh-huh. This freer, yeah. edgier me, which yes. is really I guess closer to who I really am as Michael. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And mm-hmm. so I kept it up. Uh-huh. And then once I get back to the ship, uh-huh. well, yeah, we have the programmable matter. Oh, you have the pro. Yeah. And so, and so just... because now at this point we, you know, we can program anything. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I do is, is I just programmable matter and it's quick and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's plugged in and, and, and. Oh, wow. You saw, she saw herself when she got those that's braids. Right. She saw herself. That's right. She that, did. That is amazing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, this is, you're dropping gems here. You're dropping gems. <laughs> Never is, before heard. That is amazing. <laughs> First time, so everybody can learn it here. Okay. <laughs> but That's right. Seriously, on a serious note, you've talked about your decision to go natural um, with mm. your hair. And I imagine mm. as a black woman in Hollywood, that was not 
easy. Can, can you right. tell me about that journey and that decision? Oh, man. I <laughs> I love talking about this because you're right. It, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not easy for any of us. I, I feel like we're still, it's better. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. so much better. And mm-hmm. we have to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. But it could go further and it needs to go further. Mm-hmm. Um, when I decided to go natural, I was still in college. And, and so I had a, a great many years um, learning my hair and then learning to love my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was able to do that because I just absolutely adore my hair and the way it naturally comes out of my scalp, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Um, but then what I started to do once I moved to New York and once I was auditioning and, and, and taking, you know, headshots and, and, mm-hmm. and whatnot is I would just straighten it. I would yes. heat style it every okay. week, yeah. even though it was natural and, mm-hmm. and, um, and I was under the impression, I truly believed that I could wear my hair natural in my regular life. But if mm-hmm. I wanted to do anything industry related, I was going to have to straighten it. There was just absolutely no way I was going to be received, accepted mm-hmm. um, if it was natural. Mm-hmm. And that is so debilitating to mm-hmm. actually believe that, to mm-hmm. believe that the way your hair naturally comes out of your scalp mm-hmm. is ugly, mm-hmm. unacceptable, unprofessional that of course um that that reflects back onto your value yeah um as a black woman mm-hmm. and that's what's so sad is because it's it's something that all of us kind of share mm-hmm. you know just this mm-hmm. collective sense of inferiority yeah um this collective sense of ugly mm-hmm. and um oh i'm not I, I i must seem like i'm not serious about what i'm doing not, i not must ser- seem not like that's right And the fact that we would relate hair to competency is ludicrous, but that's what happens. And so to you feel that in order to put your best foot forward Mm. in your career, Mm -hmm. you have to alter yourself to such a, to such a degree. So when I first decided, no, I'm gonna, I'm going to be natural now. And I'm going to be natural on the carpet. I'm going to be natural mm-hmm. in my shoots. And I'm going to do my best to be natural with the roles that I that I play. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I was blessed mm-hmm. because right at that time, I booked Walking Dead. Yes. And of course, my hair was going to yeah, be natural. natural. Yeah, because you're just out walking around in In, in the heat. zombie apocalypse. Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you, ain't, going, no you ain't worried about just for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can't get one. Yeah. You can't get one. Mm-mm. Right. And no. so um, so that worked out perfectly because this role, um, you know, it, it was such a it was such a big deal because this was such a this was such a Goliath of a show. Right. Yeah. And it was already so firmly implanted yeah. in 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 society um, that I was making such a big statement mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And I remember the last thing that fell away were, were photos. Okay. Um, because yeah. there was still this, this idea that, okay, so you're, you're natural on screen and you're mm-hmm. natural on the carpet and you're natural, blah, 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 blah. But for the photos we take, it should you be, be glam, glamming straight. Because hair, you right? can't be glam and beautiful if your hair is curly. Yeah. How, how it's that like, work? that doesn't yeah. make sense, but yeah. that was the last thing to fall. And I just yeah. remember it was it was seamless actually though because all of a sudden one day I sort of zoomed out and I said oh my gosh I am natural everywhere I go mm-hmm. and with everything that I do mm-hmm. that's amazing mm-hmm. and I was pretty dogmatic about it there for a while and I think I had to be mm-hmm. 
because now I am more concerned about the authenticity of the story. Mm-hmm. I want to be true to whoever I'm playing. So okay. if this woman would straighten her hair is at that, or would that's have right. A, you know, have a weave like I do right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then that's what I'm going to do. Now. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get my braids like next week. But I like, there you I like go. Weave, you know, it's you just like you can a little bit fast. It's fast. Exa- you can just it's fast. It's convenient. Yes, yes. It's beautiful. And as long as you have the right understanding, yes. as long as it's you know that. it's an option it's on the plate, option. as long as you know your value is not connected yes. to it, your beauty is not yes. connected to it, your competency. Yes. As long as you know that, have a blast. Have fun. Have fun. You know? The problem is the standard being you have That's to right. look this way. You the European standard way. of beauty. Yes. This That's is the right. standard. And so, I mean, just I I just want to ask, you set this standard. I have heard of other black women actresses saying that they couldn't Mm -hmm. find people on sets who do hair without heat, who do, you know, that they have to get their hair done before. Have you encountered any of that? Like they have to do their hair before they get to the set. Oh, gosh. Yeah. What? Absolutely. I've encountered that so much. I've encountered. I'll never forget. I had an experience uh, shooting a commercial uh, many years ago. Um, and they had made it very clear that they wanted my natural hair mm-hmm. and uh, for the commercial. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, that's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I show up and the stylist apparently was not, that information wasn't related to her. Um, and she said, oh gosh, your hair. Uh, what is this? Oh. You know? And um, I was like, oh, well, you know, I was directed, you know, to have my natural hair. So, you know, I've, I've already, I've, I've treated it. Da, 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 it's ready for you. We can do whatever we want. You know, I can, I can help and, and whatnot. And she was just like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know. She was, she well, was freaked this, out. With this. Exactly. <laughs> with this. Right. Yeah. And I said, I, and I just sort of, I had to, I had to calm her down and quell her concerns and be like, it's okay. I will do it. Let's just decide the style and just give me the products and I'll do it. And then you mm. can sort of tidy it up. Mm. How about that? Mm. Are you wow. okay with that? Wow. Will you calm down if we go that route? You know? It's Yeah. You know, and, and you have said it has gotten better. Has it gotten mm-hmm. better? Is it better? I think it has gotten better. Yeah. I think now, today, thankfully, if you don't know how to do natural black hair, it's um, it's a... It's a problem and okay. it's seen as a deficit. Okay. Whereas before, again, it was the standard. You, yeah. you didn't need to know how to do it because, ew, why would we have that? That's yeah. disgusting. Have her straighten her hair, right? But now, if you don't know anything about it, mm-hmm. then it's, it's, it's a deficiency mm-hmm. and you need, yeah. to, you need to fix it as a stylist. Coming up, Sonequa faces the racism within. I wanted to get into a little bit more about Sonequa and about last mm-hmm. summer. Um, you know, everyone was talking about what happened with George Floyd, him being murdered. Um, and you really opened up on social media. There's a lot of um, internalized racism in my heart. I grew up in the South. And the racism was just a part of life. It was just in the air. 
you were really raw about growing up in Alabama, about the racism that you experienced. Uh, you said racism was just in the air and you yeah. were grappling with self-hatred. And I, I wondered what made you want to be transparent like that? Because I think a lot of people can feel that way, but they don't want to let everybody know. Right. It's a constant fight for me to be brutally honest. I, as extroverted as I am, I'm also quite introverted and as engaged as I want to be with, you know, with everyone, with the masses. I also want to be very private about my life and my experiences and, um, uh, you know, that stuff that is, you know, sort of behind closed doors. But I felt like there was, there was a part that all of us needed to play at that mm-hmm. time. And that is still the case. Mm-hmm. It's, I, 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 ha- I had to take a good hard look at myself and say, what exactly am I, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? Cause it's one thing to bop, bop, bop your gums, mm-hmm. but what are you actually doing mm-hmm. to help? Mm-hmm. If you have a voice and you have a platform and you have some level of influence, then I, I just feel that you have a responsibility to, to use it, but I wanted to use it and I didn't exactly know how, but I realized that it was the self-hatred in me mm. that had sort of kept me shut off from a lot of my history mm. because it was just too painful. Mm. And I, I said, oh, let me instead go this way. Right. And so I had to acknowledge that in myself. And, and I realized that something that I could do was be transparent. I thought I had dealt with my upbringing, but This time is bringing it back, bringing back all the things that I had just uh, buried deep in my heart or shoved in the attic of my heart. Then I realized like being open like this, it's so it's the most vulnerable thing I've I've ever done um, Mm -hmm. on social media, at least. Mm -hmm. And I said, but I think that this is what I got to do. I think this is my part to play right now in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some people may wonder how someone like you, beautiful, graceful, successful, how could you have self-hatred? Like, how, how is that even possible? That's what some people will, will listen to this and wonder. How, how's that possible? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I mean, goodness. It's, I mean, I almost want to say it could be more possible. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. there's so much pressure. Yes. The pressure. There's, it, there's, it, there's a lot of pressure in this position. Yeah. Yeah. And and for me, I put a lot of pressure on myself yes, to, do. you know, sort of uh, that's right to uphold and to do justice and to, you know, it's like I take this calling very seriously, even the fact that I consider it a calling. Mm-hmm. It's like this isn't I, I, I believe that this is a this is service. I believe that I've entered a service industry, mm-hmm. you know, where you are doing something that will help. Um, but I think that for me growing up in the South with all of that rampant racism, I think that self-hatred, unfortunately, is really common. Mm. It's really common for, especially if you're, if you're black in America, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got, you got to get over it somewhere, somehow. Yeah. No. You know, you're going to be met with it at some point, Yeah, you know, and especially being a black woman. Mm -hmm. And then in the environment that I grew up in, you know, as rich and beautiful as it is in lots of ways, it was also very ugly in a lot of mm-hmm. in a lot of other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to take my um, had have my day in court with self hatred as yeah. well. Yeah, to get, yeah. I mean, you know, when I think about racism, you know, Toni Morrison, the great writer, said racism is a mm-hmm. distraction. 
Um, it, it's also a lie, right? There. Yeah. Talk about how you overcome that distraction and that lie and find that healing that you were talking about in your post. I think, you know, my experience is very particular to me, of course, as is everyone's mm-hmm. experience. But I, I can't do it without God. It, yes. For me, it just doesn't happen. You know, mm-hmm. Yeshua is healing for me. So I I feel that whatever that path of healing is, it's going Mm -hmm. to be directed by Yeshua and it's going to be paved with Yeshua as well. Mm -hmm. So it's all about connecting to that divine and the divine within. Mm -hmm. But that's easier said than done. You know, it's it's, it's a constant daily practice of renewing the mind and therefore renewing the heart. So I... That's that's it for me. And I am 36 and I still have a long way to go. <laughs> me and, too. and I'm really learning the older I get to be OK with that. Yeah. You know, because we know it's a lifelong journey. But are you OK with that? Yeah. And sometimes the hardest person to love is yourself. Oh, yo, that's what? That's the hardest I person to, to love. I stand her. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, that, per- like, that yeah, person, her. this her? Her? She her hard to here. love. Oh, I don't know about her. I don't know about that's her. So, I don't know about her. I don't trust her. I don't, like, I definitely don't I trust don't like her. her. She be, she'll do anything. I don't trust that girl. <laughs> Thanks again to Sonequa Martin-Green. She stars in Space Jam, A New Legacy, out now in theaters and on HBO Max. She also stars in Star Trek Discovery. Season four of that series is expected later this year on Paramount+. Plus. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Andrea Gutierrez. It was edited by Jordana Hochman. Engineering support came from Patrick Murray. And listeners... Don't forget, this Friday, we're back with another episode. And for that, we want to hear the best thing that happened to you all week. Just record yourself and email the file to us at samsanders at npr.org. That's samsanders at npr.org. All right. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening. I'm Aisha Roscoe. We'll talk soon. Well, thank you very much this was a great conversation i can be transparent and say i was very nervous so i am so grateful thank you that's so kind of you say i was nervous as well (laughs) i said npr here we go